hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. All right, welcome to another episode of the Green Top Outdoors podcast. I got Andrew Napier and Michael Botello here today. Thanks for being here, guys. Yes, sir. Thank of you. Of course. Um, we have a another episode consisting of the topic consisting of adversaries of the outdoor industry. We did one a while back with uh, you and Garen, I believe. Yeah, thanks. So. Um, we talked about various things, um, things that are contrary to, the, to others. Yeah, some uh, of them common myths, some of them contrary. Yep. It's, uh, we're going to get into we'll get into a lot of shotgun based adversarial things today screw in choke versus fixed choke things like that sabot slugs versus rifle slugs but first before we get into all this t- man tell us about this weekend because it was uh it was a hell of a weekend for you it was you. awesome yeah and weekend. for you too michael mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. we went to uh Shenandoah gun club just uh maybe Six, eight miles west of Stanton. Yeah. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Shooting in the mountains. 100 degrees here, 92 there. A lot of shade. Uh, 92 Really felt, comfortable. 92 I bet, I bet was 92 nice. felt nice. It was a nice 92. <laughs> um, shot, both of us shot really well this weekend and shot some just incredible terrain, incredible targets. The guys up there host a fantastic shoot. Everybody's polite as they can be. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thanks for coming. Couldn't do this without y'all. And it's, you know, it's two sides. They need the shooters and we need a place to shoot. But man, they just they they just knock it out of the park. It's a private club, so anytime they open the door to to guests, it is I, I can't wait to shoot. First yeah. class, yeah, good yeah. people, good time, yeah. um, good outcome. Yeah, I shot well, shot really well. I, I will say this about Andrew's uh, performance: um, the state shoot and the Commonwealth Cup are the two biggest shoots that you do in Virginia. And people circle those and they attend them. So, the class average. <clears throat> Andrew and I shoot in, uh, for those who don't know, there's a class system. The top class is master class. We shoot in that class together. Uh, And the average score on the first day, which is called the Bison Cup, was an 84 for a master class shooter. Andrew was eight targets ahead of anybody in that class. Now, there was another gentleman. And four targets off the lead. Yeah, yeah, and (laughs) there's another gentleman, uh, David Collins Jr., a ridiculous shot, who came in. With a 96 that day. For Andrew, 96. For, for Andrew to regroup and beat the field the next day was an 81 by 16 targets. Says a lot. Now, So you shot a 97, 97 the next day. On yep. And there's two separate shoots. So a lot of times an out-of-state yes. or an out-of-town shoot is a 200 combined score. Right. And this is kind of unique, which I like. It's really good when you're winning. It's really good when you're losing. If you're shooting well enough to win your class – you kind of get bummed out, but if you're uh, 81 one day, 98 the next day, it's not a combined score shoot. You can win the Bison Cup and the Commonwealth Cup, but you they're not the scores don't overlap. So it's not a. I didn't shoot a 189 out of 200. I shot a 92 and then a 97. Right. I scored separately. And the next day, DD or David shot another 96, which is extremely impressive. Would have been almost impossible to beat two days combined. He would have won outright. Right. But it scored. You know, start fresh nine o'clock next day, and there was two ninety sixes and a one ninety seven. And, and you was, had the you had, had the ninety seven. So you are the Commonwealth Cup champion. I am the Commonwealth Cup champion. Right for on, one man. more year. Congratulations! That's right. Yeah. Uh, first time I'm winning that shoot. It's a good good hometown shoot to win. It's it's it carries some weight. It's I don't I certainly don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but it's 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 a significant shoot to win. Yeah. For a, a working man, for a guy who tries real hard, focuses real hard, it's a big shoot. Right on, man. Yeah, congratulations. Good. And Michael, how'd you, how'd you do? Michael shot, shot extremely well. I shot within the class average, which was good for me. Um, you know, one of the big differences, just real quick, is that uh, Andrew is as tough a competitor as he is a shooter. He's that good. And Andrew never puts himself in a position to be behind or to, you know, start off on a bad foot. So the thing that I will do well is if I make a mistake, and Andrew and I have shot together long enough that he sees it, if I make a mistake, I can correct that mistake, and I probably won't make it again. Andrew won't make the mistake the first time. But if he does, it doesn't rattle him because he's been put in a position to finish out. So he does a better job of not making a mistake ahead of time and finishing out where I have to recover from mistakes. So that's 
a big difference. Plus, it's shooting's a lot like you know, golf. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, you can look back on your uh, scorecard in golf, and the par is a seventy-two, and you shot an eighty-one. So, man, I double bogeyed four. Well, you still have a whole lot of holes left. Yeah. And did that double bogey put you at a seventy-four, and you just ruined the next ten, or did you overcome it and say, "Man, I was that close to a ninety-six right. in golf." So, you know, it, how are you going to handle that double bogey? Did you really overcome? Or did you lose two strokes? So, and I look at shooting the same way, and they're all worth the same amount. They throw 100 targets, you get 100 shells. Each bird has one point. Some of them are 10 yards, size of my head. Some of them are 70 yards, size of my aspirin. So, you always approach them different, but the big targets require big focus. The little targets require the same amount of focus, same amount of respect, but people don't value them the same. I so, when you. you're really hitting everything you need to hit, all your bread and butter targets, Hunter Brooks is a. 35-yard crossing, man. If you hit all your 35-yard crossers, all the other stuff falls into place. Because everybody's going to miss the big targets. 75-yard crosser is hard to hit. Doesn't matter who you are. Right. But if you can put yourself at an 80 before you even start shooting, I'm going to hit all the, all the Andrew-style targets. I'm going to earn the rest. It's just everything falls into place. Yeah. But it, it, it all that is in sync with good focus, good rest, what you ate, you know. Are you dressed comfortably? Is it hot? Are you drink enough water? Is the thousand factors that go into it? Well, shooting it, good shells helps. Shooting yeah. a nice gun helps. That's right. Doesn't make you shoot better. And, and but having a good perspective too is too. You can find anybody. Uh, Andrew's a great ambassador to the sport. No one ever says a bad word about him. I mean, how could you? I right. mean, the guy. I got a couple. He, he, well, I've, been called, <laughs> well, I've been called a few well, things. I'll, other I'll, than I'll say this: yeah. you, you you cannot and 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 hear me out on this one. You you cannot compete against Andrew. Because he wants you to win too, and I and I say that from the bottom of my heart. He wants everybody on that squad or people he knows or he has met one time, shoot well, keep your head up, keep grinding. You're his competition, right? But he still wants you to shoot your best because two things happen. You want to get you want to beat someone you, at their best. He wants yeah. you to be at your best, and he wants you to do well. And that's that's just a testament to the kind yeah. of person he is and the shooter that you can be. I think a lot of people, you know, get hemmed up in numbers and stuff. Andrew just shoots and he's consistent at being consistent you know it just lets the, let the scorecard be a, what it is right. yeah, that's a great thing you know um and and the last thing is, is you know for me you know 15 stations in this tournament two stations cost me half of my messes andrew's not Same gonna with let, me not, andrew's not gonna let that Saturday. happen yeah. i mean it'll happen to someone like andrew it happened once but he didn't make any little tiny mistakes happens to me i have to dig hard and recover but i usually finish strong Whenever I shoot, even you know, sure. when I shoot together, and when you when you shoot in a, it's only as much pressure as you want it to be because mm-hmm. you're we all paid the same amount of money to go shoot. So am I going to take it more serious for my hundred dollars, or is this hundred dollars just a good day out in the mountains playing around? It's both. Um, but we shot Saturday, me, Michael, Travis, another employee here, uh, and two guys we shoot with pretty regular, and all five of us are killers. All five of us could have won that shoot, and none of the five of us did. But every time somebody slipped, you say, come on, man, what's wrong with you? Get it together. And just turn the next ones into Cheeto dust. You know, right. Just hammer them. Yeah. And then go a couple, three, four stations in a row. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I wish Michael would slip up a little. <laughs> but I don't want him to. But right. I, I mean, I got to pull a hit at some point. You know, I'm not going to beat him if he doesn't slow down. Um, but if he's driving his best, I can just ride his coattails. And, and ride with them. So having a good squad to shoot with, which I was blessed to have both days, it, it seals the deal for everybody. So oh, we yeah. could all shot a 62. But five good shooters had a good time. Shot with my dad, which I really enjoy. That's cool. Yeah. Elevates his game when he shoots around good shooters. And I stared at his target hard, and I stared at mine because I'm pulling for him to do his best. So. Yeah, cool. Yep. And yeah, so, it was a good weekend. And so yeah, the weather, so it I, was. wasn't it last year? It was a washout last year, wasn't it? Last year was decent, I believe, hot. It's been... Maybe the year before. They had a ton was, of rain one yeah, year. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was the I've year shot before. up there in, in a torrential downpour before. Yeah. They had a team shoot a couple of years ago. It was just 200 targets all day long, soaking wet from the minute you got out of the truck. But you're shooting you're shooting down. I mean, it's an interesting course because yep. you're in the mountains and you're shooting in literally on the mountain, mm-hmm. down the mountain, yeah. into valleys and things like so that, right? So out of 200 targets, Saturday's 100 and Sunday's 100, I'm going to say – a minimum of 150 were below your feet. And probably 100 of them below your feet, 30 degrees or more. Okay. I mean, you are leaning, and it's a cage the size of this table, six or eight-foot cage to shoot out of. And probably every station, I'm leaning against the cage back foot off the ground. 
I'm I'm really hoping those screws hold that Trex board <laughs> while I'm leaning over. Because you look downhill like your last station we shot. It was beautifully set course, and the whole course hats off everybody. But the last station was a Shondell target, which is thrown on edge. Doesn't normally roll or curl. just gives you a big dome to shoot at. Right. was in a bottom 60-plus feet below your feet, and the machine's probably 60 yards away. Damn. And it throws – it's slightly incoming. It's hard to tell with the terrain, but it's rolling in and giving you big face to shoot at 40, 45-ish yards. At least. And you're looking over this ravine, and if you stop and really, like, took a freeze-frame picture, you're shooting at eye level. The bird's been thrown 120 feet, and it's eye level. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then underneath that – and it was, you know, big spring, big arc and target, beautifully set. And then they had one below it. It was a 25-yard – money maker target at any fun shoot any regional shoot is a good target but that's below your feet 20 feet and it's 25 yards out and it's curling away so you really think this other one is the hard one this one's point and shoot this bird below your feet now you got to chase it it's under your barrel and you're running downhill and the bird's running downhill they threw about a 40 35 40 yard quartering uphill rabbit which you just don't get anywhere because you don't have the terrain to, to yeah. use like that. Yeah. It's a target setter's dream come true. It's all these giant cliffs. If it's not uphill, it's downhill. That's it's awesome. a really cool place to shoot. It's very unique. Yeah, it changes your perspective on a lot of things. If you shoot trap, skeet, or at clubs that are flat, your your vision and your depth perception stays pretty much the same. But when you start throwing things like Andrew said, we could drop a house down on the bottom and walk out on top of the roof or have some room before you hit the roof. Yeah. That changes your whole perspective. And because it's a private club, you don't get to practice there to get that perspective unless you get an invite once in a while. So to to be there, that's on top of the great targets they throw. Yeah. It's awesome. The two complement each other. And they didn't abuse the terrain, but they they used the targets to the maximum advantage. Everything was – Perfect. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was good. And I was glad to have a good weekend. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Um, all right, well, let's get into uh, our first uh, – Go straight to the bottom, and we'll talk about that because that was relevant this weekend. Seven. Okay, so that's a good one. So you brought up the fact that, all right, we, when you talk about target loads, there are uh, shot size in seven and a halfs. Seven and a halfs, eights and, and nines. eights and nines. Yep. Um, and traditionally, a lot of shooters – that are skeet shooters may tend to like nines yeah, or eights. Yeah, favor the nines or eights. Whereas sporting clay shooters will favor seven and a halfs, mm-hmm. or some will just favor eights. Yep. Um, so let's just say seven and a half shot size versus eight shot size. Yeah, we can rule out the nines. As a sporting shooter, I'm a little biased. Nines are, to me, they're good for 30 yards and in, big giant targets, and you hit them you know, about 700 pellets, it just makes, leaves a smoke cloud. They're awesome. But you run out of energy real quick. Yeah. A lot of shot, a lot of bees, not a lot of honey. You know, it's a big, big picture. I like that. That's a, that's a <laughs> Michael-ism. Um, <laughs> when you go to eights versus seven and a half, there's one thousandth different. One of them's like point mm-hmm. oh oh two and point oh oh one, or yes, something like that. Yep, yep, I agree. And so, actual shot size is not a huge difference here. Almost none. Yeah. But when you compact them into one ounce or an ounce and an eighth, ounce and an eighth, same shell, two different shot sizes, you're picking up forty to sixty pellets. When you go to eights. When you go to eights. And the way I perceive the targets, an edge target, 30 yards, just a standard dove shot. On edge, it's going to take probably five or more seven and a half to break it. Maybe four. You hit it just right. You hit it with 12, it'll just blow it up. And you're using the energy of the target to break the target as well. So as the harder it's thrown, the softer you can hit it and still break it. When you throw a bunch of eights at it, you have more pellets, but you're losing a little energy. You throw the seven and a half at it, you got more energy, but better chance it can slip through your pattern. So it all really revolves off of the choke tube, the density, the speed of the shot, what you can handle for recoil. So if you're a one-ounce shooter, you don't like recoil, it would probably behoove you to shoot eights because you're pushing about what I'm pushing with an ounce and an eighth, seven and a half. But that's a debate as old as time. One is not better than the other. Well, for sporting clays, the traditional load is it a three dram ounce and an eighth, seven and a half? Is that about twelve hundred? About twelve hundred yep. feet a second. A traditional, that's traditional standard load. Yep. Right. Yep. And the reason they say that is that in sporting clays, you get such a variety of targets at different distances and speeds. You're just kind of padding the stats that when that pellet gets there, there's enough energy carried by that bigger seven and a half pellet to break that target. But like Andrew said, your choke. Uh, the pattern, the density of it, it matters. 
because mm-hmm. the further away, as soon as it leaves the barrel, Mother Nature wants it on the ground. And it's yeah, trying it's to gone. pull that yeah. and open that up. So you can – targets can slip through a pattern, and then you start playing that mental game. Do I have enough pellets? Do I, do I have enough choke? Normally, it's just the wrong execution of the shot. And that chip is probably worse than a miss. Right, because yeah. then you try to correct it. Correct. Yeah. A big pattern, an improved okay. cylinder with that 30-yard crosser, and eights, and you chip it. Do I chip the front? Do I chip the back? Should I change something? Should I try to chip three in a row? Should I – it's too late to change my choke. It's not too late to change my shell. What should I – panic. Right. And you, next thing you know, you just forgot how to shoot at it and you just miss it. So if you believe in your equipment, if you're an eights shooter, one-ounce eights all the time, Remington handicap one-ounce 1298s. I just want to shoot all the time. I love it. Mm-hmm. Got to have it. If you're the other way, say, I want the biggest and the baddest, I'm going to shoot ounce and an eighth, seven and a half, Winchester, double-A super sports, cannot prime me from them. Whatever works for you. Got, you got to believe in your equipment. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big mental thing, too. If you are just dirt-balling targets, you get more relaxed because everything you're doing is correct. Yep. Because yeah. you see a visual cue of, I was all over that thing. I put all the bees on the hunting. Down there. Yeah. Whereas if you if you chip it, you start thinking, yeah. was it too far in front? Was it too far behind? Yeah. Did I not move quick enough? And I'm a Neanderthal. I'd rather dirtball the target or flat out miss it so I can make a correction. If I chip it, I cannot control you myself don't know enough. Where, you don't know where to move. To try to just say, just keep doing it because the X's all look the same on scorecard, whether yep. it's a dirtball or a chip. Yeah. I've had it explained to me and on live birds. On live birds, I prefer the size, but you, you could have a whole other dissertation with Brad on. Shot size versus density and penetration. Sure. Or nighttime versus day. Or, yeah, or shooting out of the window <laughs> or shooting out of the passenger side or driver's side. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Um, but I heard it told to me, eights kill more birds, seven and a half, one more shoots. And it sounds kind of contradictory, but what yeah. do you want to do? Do you want to really, really, really kill that dove or do you want to win this shoot? Right. Or do you want to shoot your limit in 15 shells or do you want to shoot your limit? I have, I've heard that explained to me in sporting clays and, you know, I have 100% confidence in eights at any distance with chokes and gun. I'm shooting. Money on the line, I it's, shoot seven It's halves. not going to play a mental – it's not going to have a mental effect on you, though. I'm not going to let it because I'm yeah. going to shoot seven and a half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Money on the line, I shoot an ounce and an eight, 12.50, seven and a half. Right. Money on okay. the line. There you but, go. you know, I have shot a whole lot of practice birds with a one-ounce number eight, 75, 80 yards. Breaks with no problem. Yep. And the middle is always the middle. So if you're chipping targets or you're second-guessing your shells, you're probably not hitting them in the middle anyways. Right. If you're hitting them in the middle, you'll leave a big cloud of dust. You'll and, know and it. And yep. it's all irrelevant. Yep. You'll absolutely know it. So should we should we go right into speed versus payload? I love it. Absolutely. Right there hand in hand. Absolutely. Okay. So speed, and this is uh, still on the shot shell, whether it's yeah. a game load, a steel shot load, mm-hmm. non-toxic, whatever it is. Yeah, lead fives, It could be buckshot. Twos, we buckshot. could be talking about exactly. buckshot. Um, you know, is is it? Uh, you know, if we're we're talking about a three and a half inch double lot, or are we talking about a three inch double lot, or, or two and three quarter, well, two and three quarter, mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. You know, you have you have high velocity loads, and then you have heavy, higher density Correct. loads. Yeah, most time you'll see them as either you don't see much advertised as standard velocity. They'll either be high density or high velocity. Right. So if you were to look at a dove load, ounce and an eighth would be your standard game load. And then a heavy field load would be probably ounce and a quarter. Right. Ounce and a quarter. And you may have three and a quarter drams three and of powder quarter drams. with so an ounce and a quarter recoil. shot. Yep. Yeah. Going up in recoil, which – and going up in recoil is all a perception. So that's a whole other, you know, hour-long conversation. Six foot, 190 pounds, I feel different recoil than Michael at six two hundred ninety pounds. Right. And Hunter Brooks at six one hundred ninety pounds. We're all feeling two different things. Right. Um, little, little scrawny kid, probably going to get pounded with shells I'm shooting. Heavy duty down the hallway, he could probably shoot out to the quarter all day long. You just <laughs> yeah. never know. Right. Um, I like, I like the payload because I'm actually I like the fact that I'm sacrificing speed for pattern, which is almost always the case. When you give up, same with rifle bullets. When you go from 150 30 out six to 180 30 out six, typically rifle slower rifle bullets shoot better. Until you find a sweet spot when you get into handloads, but factory ammo for the most part, if you want your $500, 30-06 to shoot, grab a box of 180s, out the door you go. You'll be just fine. Right. If you get into twist rates and choke tubes and all kinds of other stuff. But I would rather have the consistent pattern and trust my shooting than to have the Blitzkrieg 1,700 foot per second hypersonic Remingtons yeah. and just blister through my pattern 
And two pellets will kill them because they're real fast, but I don't know if I trust those two pellets. I but know you're, they are. You, you're possibly breaking your damn gun, or too. Or you go I mean, shoot two barrel yeah, lugs off your gun in one week. <laughs> yeah, right. and it, it's and been it's, done. I know a guy who did right. it. It's interesting that uh, for the Green Top customers listening in, and they ask, well, why is this this speed and this one not? When lead hits something, it flattens out and transfers energy. That's how it kills. And turns steel, into cutting edges. Right. Yeah. Steel never changes its shape. So it hits something. It has to be going faster to deliver that same sort of oomph that lead would. Mm-hmm. Also, people come in here and say, I've inherited this browning from the 1960s, and it will not cycle these federal field target loads. There's a reason for that. There's not enough energy for those old giant springs, old springs and stuff yep. to move. So you shoot those higher velocity loads. Are they going to kill any better? That's you got to put a good shot on it. A right. good yeah. shot does not again. You the know, middle's the middle, yeah. right? Yep. And so, it, it, and it's in, and it's interesting uh, how all that works. I mean, you can. I tell people every day at work that come in and ask about chokes and speed, and I said if you take a garden hose. You have, everybody's done it. You have water going through the garden hose, and you take your thumb and you press down on the end of it. What does the water do? It goes faster, and it blows out to the right and the left. The same thing happens with too tight of a choke in steel because you cannot compress steel, right. or too tight of a choke in lead, where it just becomes a big chunk. Right. It'll, it'll, it'll that, spring. That nice, that nice uniform pattern that Andrew wants may not work if he goes too far to the right or left of the choke tube yeah. versus the size shot that you put in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm with the same discipline. I like to have a choke that I know the bread and butter targets or even burrs that I would shoot in the field, if I shoot them within my ability, I'm good. I've got the confidence and the equipment to do it. Yeah, yeah. And trying, to find being... some, trying to find something faster, trying to find something tighter – May not always work. When it works the one time, you believe you're the greatest shot in yeah, the duck Yeah, you're line. the man. Yeah. Right. But then once you miss the next 15 ducks that come in, I need a new bead. I need a new yeah. shotgun, which we sell at Green Top. <laughs> right. um, all. And all these things. Right. You know? And I, that speed and payload, if you talk in terms of buckshot, dead is dead. The middle's the middle. You can't you can't kill a deer any deader with three and a half than you can with two and three quarter. Right. And if you got your nine two and three quarter pellets all in the center all in a composition book at 35 yards i would much rather have that than a scattered 18 pellet where it's you know it's covering this table it's covering a three foot pattern i'm gonna trust the nine because i trust the middle but on the contrary in michael's scenario if you're a dog driver or you're maybe not the best shooter you know maybe you want to play with a little bigger pattern yeah and you want to and nobody does it anybody can Nobody goes deer hunting with five choke tubes in their pocket. Right. Well, I'm standing out in the field. I need my I need my extra long range Charlie choke. And yeah. I'm in the woods. I'm gonna screw and improve cylinder. You, you try to split your middle, favoring your preference. Do I want it to hit a, hit or miss, or do I want to hit with a higher percentage? So if you trust your shooting, you can probably get away with a tighter pattern, which is still relative with your speed and payload. If you don't really trust every scenario or trust every shot. It would probably behoove you to have a higher payload and maybe sacrifice a little on speed. Yeah. But it's whatever works for your gun, choke, hunting scenario, shooting scenario, rifle scenario. And as a classic saying, nothing kills like speed. Right. Nothing kills like speed. If you can blow it through them, hit them hard. That's right. Yeah. But if it ain't the right spot, it ain't the and, right spot. And, and you do split the difference when you shoot sporting clays because you have a lot of shots at distance as you shoot skeet and trap. A trap shooter at 27 yards – it's a full choke all day long. Full choke. A skeet shooter eight, seven is a half. skeet choke all day long. All day. Skeet choke. Andrew one and I are going to split the difference yep. and say it can't be overly tight, but it can't be too loose for it to slip through a pattern. Correct. So we shoot somewhere in the middle, and you can take that same advice into the field. Shooting an eighty-yard gadwall is probably not going to work for most people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, but that gadwall comes into the decoys at fifteen yards, and your pattern's the size of a softball. And goes right by it. Correct. Well, now what have I done? Right. You and know? you don't kill him until your third shot when he's at 45 where right. your pattern is optimized. Exactly. Which is optimized with your speed and yep. payload, you know, diverse. I I tend to favor payload. <clears throat> I know it's not a this or that type podcast, but I I would prefer the payload because I have faith in my shooting. Yeah. And I have faith in – and I pattern my guns, and I know what to expect. When I shoot at a 55-yard deer run across the field, I imagine – my 40-yard pattern, which well, probably going to be 15, 20% bigger. But I know I'm throwing 25 inches at them. I can, I can hit, if I can get them inside of there, same with a clay target, I'm imagining about a trash can lid, 30-inch circle. This is what I'm working with. 
can I do it? Can I not do it? Right. If not, I'll need to change my choke to make that trash can lid at the distance I'm shooting. 25-yard shot, I need to open my choke to get the trash can lid faster. 70-yard shot, I need to close my choke to elongate my trash can lid. I guess we're going to keep moving up from the bottom. I like it. I love it. Um, you can go right into, into the Sabbath right slug versus rifle we'll get slug. Bigger and bigger and then we'll get into the barrel. Yeah. Well, actually, this is going to be a combination of the two. Yeah. They'll overlap each other. So, you know, when it comes to a Sabbath slug or Sabo, however Sabo. you want to call it, we could actually say, is it Sabbath Sabot. or Sabo? Sa- Sabot? Well, that's Whatever. That's my interpretation. That's how you say it. <laughs> so, sa- Sabbath slug versus rifled slug. Um, and then this kind of correlates with smooth barrel versus rifled barrel yep. or a smooth slug barrel versus a rifled slug barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go ahead and get this out of the way, the Sabbath slug. Clear the air. The Sabbath slug is made for the rifled barrel. Correct. And the rifled slug is made for the smooth barrel. Yep. Now, yeah. now that kind of contradicts you itself, always, too. You buy the opposite of your barrel. People will automatically think a rifled slug is made for a rifled barrel. Correct. But, however, it is not. And Some packaging says for Sabbath slugs for rifled barrels. Correct. It's very confusing. Yeah, it is. It's very confusing. Yeah. But you want to buy the opposite of your barrel. You do. Yep. So let's just start with the Sabbath slug. Sabbath slug is made for the rifled barrels, mm-hmm. so that's traditionally your slug guns that are made like your Savage 220. Yeah, right? H&Rs. Just basically, uh, it's kind of like the only slug that's gun That's about on the what's market. out there now. It's There's a bunch of H&Rs there. out there. Winchester, Browning, Browning, Browning makes a semi-auto. It, but, they had an A-bolt yeah. at one yeah. time. But you want to – so now you're shooting a rifle. Basically, You can imagine yes. you loading your .30-06 the same way you load your uh, Savage 220. You shove a blank bullet into a pre-grooved barrel. Yep. And then on the contrary, and that's going to add distance. Yeah, not necessarily speed. I'm Sabbath or rifle slugs are normally. You're getting faster. more accuracy and more distance mm-hmm. with a Sabbath slug in a. Yep. And you'll have a chance to group because your barrel is doing all the work for you Correct. over twenty to twenty-four or twenty-two inches. Yep. You're getting twenty-two inches worth of grooves and stability. And when you flip the script and go with a a traditional. A rifled slug gun would be like an Ithaca 37 yeah. or a, a 870, uh, 870 Remington yeah. cylinder barrel. or an 1100, 1187 mm-hmm. with a 20-inch rifle sight gun. Those are – they punish a deer, mm-hmm. punish a deer because most of them are just blank lead bullets or cast bullets. They crush a deer. You're very limited to but your distance. most of the time you can shoot them with iron sights, open yeah. sights. You can get away with a scope. You're going to lose your grouping and your pattern consistency. And you will hammer every deer you shoot 75 and in. 100 yeah. is probably a stretch. 100 is yeah. a stretch. On a mm-hmm. smooth bore shotgun or, or slug gun shooting a rifled slug, 75 is about your max. 50 is your standard. Sight yeah. in at 50 you can, and hold high at 75. You can hammer down at 50. Yeah. Uh, and it hits a deer really, really, really hard. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, probably harder than the rifle, uh, Savage slug. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, your max distance on your Savage slug particularly the 20 gauge which is the most popular mm-hmm. right now is probably 200 yards and 200 I think is pretty comfortable 200 distance, is yeah. a comfortable distance um i hear course, tales of 250 and 300 i i've heard that but they're tales. Uh, i don't know if <laughs> yeah, <try. laughs> most, people, most people don't are not a very good judge of distance correct yeah. no i don't know if i've ever i don't think i've ever stuck fork in a deer that somebody shot at 300 yards with that slug gun yeah but i yeah. have heard the tales yeah 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 i mean a slug, a slug at the end of the day has the aerodynamics of a brick so all they're yeah. trying, all they're trying to <laughs> yeah. do, Sleek is, up a is to get that go. So if you buy a, uh, a Sabbath slug, you can put it in any gun. At the end of the day, a Sabbath slug, yeah, any gun. I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you're confused, you come to Green Top. I need one. A Sabbath slug will work in whatever you have. Yep. Just understand the limitations of the barrel. The rifling in the barrel is going to stabilize that brick, right. where the smooth bore is not. Then it's if gonna, you take yeah. a rifled slug, you're hoping that when it comes out of the end of the barrel, that the Air catches it and twists it Correct. and keeps it stable. It right. has its own grooves, but you leave a little up to interpretation with the bore. Exactly. Because the slug is smaller than the bore. It's not a mm-hmm. snug fit. So yeah. a, um, in a 20-gauge shotgun and a slug gun, I don't exactly know the bore size, but assume it's .25 and your slug is going to be .26. It's going to cut its own groove. Where with the Sabbath, I keep getting mixed up, man. I'm having a hard time myself. With the <laughs> rifled slug and a smooth barrel, you leave a little wobble, which is why you're going to be inconsistent. It's going to be very, very, very close. Yeah. And you're going to have all that driving force behind you. And you just have this big honking piece of lead 2,000 feet per second. It's going to yeah. crush what you're shooting at. 
but you don't have the 24-inch stability. Right. All you have is about half-inch stability and whatever the bullet can provide you. It Correct. cuts its own grooves through the air. Correct. Yep. Yeah, that rifled, you know, or that, that, that rifled barrel, that's, that uh, Savage 220, that's for the guy who has to move to a county who he cannot shoot at yeah, rifle. Yeah, that's an AP yeah. hill. And that is exactly, that is exactly yeah. what that is. Yep. Yep. If you're running dogs or you're still hunting in the woods in Virginia, not a cutover, a sabot slug will just crush a deer. Yeah. I mean, at distances that the average hunter and a little bit above average hunter would be comfortable shooting. It's an, yeah, it's it an, exceeds yeah. most lever actions. Yeah, it's you know, an 100, ideal. 150 yards, yeah. It's an ideal platform to hunt on in, in the in Virginia. Yeah, where you have Absolutely. a lot of cover, where, most shots inside of a hundred, a rifled slug gun is, especially, is right. Yeah, especially if you if you hunt in a jurisdiction that does not allow rifle hunting. Yeah. It is an outstanding way to do it. Very similar and ballistically to what muzzle loaders do. Correct. You mm-hmm. don't have to clean uh, them every you, shot. Exactly. Very low maintenance. Yep, yeah. Very low maintenance. <clears throat> your rifled slugs you see a lot of old timers carry those in their uh buckshot hunting jackets mm-hmm. well if that if big boy slips up at 80 yards and i got time to change my first shell never happens yeah but they've been telling that story for 40 years that's right and they got the same box of shells makes in their them, pocket makes them feel better makes them feel good but that's what you could slip in that's a lot of people are convinced that's why browning a5 magnums have magazine cutoff switch so you can put a slug in instead of a buckshot. Yeah, it's probably more realistic that you could put a turkey load instead of a buckshot or sure. a BB instead of a number four. But you can. That's why that feature is still relevant. You can sneak in a bigger shell for your first shot and and could potentially kill that deer at eighty yards. Yep. Yeah, and I, and I would say this too. Anybody else you know that is listening in and comes to Green Top to shop, if you've got granddad's shotgun with a fixed choke which we'll get into that here too fixed versus screw in um you know come see one of us about before you buy a slug because you want to be very careful if you've got an extra full fixed barreled browning a5 and you try to put a thumb sized piece of lead through the end of it you don't want to big problems yeah you don't want to bazooka gun to you to everything that's a big problem so it does yeah most most all slug smooth bore slug slug barrels are choked at the end at it as an improved cylinder. Yep. Yeah. And that's typically the best choke to use if you let's just say you got a screw in choke barrel and you want to shoot rifled slugs, you're going to typically put a improved cylinder screw in choke in there. Um, that's the more open the more the better it is. Yeah. As far as tight as I go would be modified. Yep. I wouldn't Correct. go past a modified. Modified's real close to the size of the slug. Correct. Yeah. Improved cylinder yeah. leaves you a little yeah. wiggle room but condenses it right there at the end and exactly. sets you straight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually what happens is what we'll see in the store is someone has gotten that gun and they're in a county or have joined a club that is slug only and they want to use granddad's gun and it is an extra full or it is something along yeah. those lines. That's where we need to Sit down, and have a discussion. Make sure this you got is the what right we need equipment. To have yeah. and make sure you guys the right equipment because mm-hmm. we want everybody want not only to enjoy safe. themselves, but you have to be safe before you can enjoy anything. Yeah, that's right. And if you're you not safe, 70, you don't enjoy anything. And you got a seven-year-old heirloom that right. You want to take hunting because you want to memorize it, but you also don't want to blow the end of it off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to include maybe your hand, correct? Yeah. So, or an eyebrow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Keep both your hands. So obviously, there's a, to to conclude that there is an, there is an advantage. The Sabbat slug and the and the fully rifled barrel probably is more is it's more advantageous to use that versus in a using dedicated a rifled slug, slug or a smooth yep. bore. Yeah. Yeah, you you can turn a slug gun into a rifle with the right combination. Right. With mm-hmm. the other combination you have a really hard hitting ball of lead that's more consistent than buckshot but less consistent than the yeah. rifled slug. So it's all time and place. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have it. All right, what's next? Uh, That'll run kind of right into barrel length. Let's just go, yeah, barrel length. So, um, caption: Does size matter? That that <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, length is length the the issue. And you know, for the longest time, Can you be. know, my grandfather, my uncle, my dad, a lot of people always said, the longer the barrel, the better. Yep. Um, and it, but it depends on the application. And in my opinion, they were your age. In my age, that was true. Yes. Times have changed. Times have changed. Times, times Chokes they are have changed, changed yes. which we're, we're going to get into that, too. Mm-hmm. So r- nowadays, the way that the, the choke technology, the shell technology, all the, the wad technology, everything. The powder. And powder, mm-hmm. all of it. In my opinion, if you are talking about hunting for a hunting application, I do not think barrel length 
matters. Not at all. That is me. Zero. Yeah. It only it only matters in, it only matters in one application. You would not take a thirty two inch gun into the woods because it would just be uncom- yeah. uh, it would just be cumbersome. Right. Yeah. But to your point, correct. Performance based. Absolutely yeah, correct. Nineteen inches of barrel is where the energy almost cuts off completely for a shotgun shell. Full unlike power a, burn. unlike a rifle yep. right. where you get a little bit more. Um, but most people think, well, I've got this thirty inch barrel that was handed down and they and Angie and I were talking about this. We were talking about earlier, killed this goose at, you know, sixty five yards, seventy yards. So I gotta have a long barrel. It is not so much the energy, it is the ability to smooth out your swing because the further away something is, the smoother you have to be. A rabbit running up on your feet, a 26-inch barrel, even a 24-inch barrel, pow, you're snap shooting that rabbit. You're not shooting it running full throttle 60 yards. But a bird that's flying through the air that stays constant, it's not slowing down like a target, you have to match gun speed and target speed and push out in front of it. And that bird is probably going a lot faster than you think it is. Just like when you look at a plane that's going 800 miles an hour, it looks like it's going five. Right. Because of the distance. So yeah. you have Keeping to be smooth relative, yeah. and keep it all relative. But yeah, that's why it The long barrel sense. in a hunting scenario, 28 is now long. Yeah. Or 28, uh, say 1970. Yeah. 28 was a ridiculously long Skeet barrel. Right. It's unheard of. Who in the hell would shoot a 28-inch barrel? Right. I want, just go out there and buy an 1100, 26-inch barrel would be fine, which is true. But you didn't have I – mean, things were cheaper then too. But all things all things being relative, you had fixed choke, fixed length. You bought a 26-inch gun because it was improved cylinder or skeet. You could not come across a 26-inch full. You did not deer hunt with 26-inch fulls. But the era of the backyard gunsmith came along, the – uh, there was a couple in this area who would sleeve, sleeve and chuck, it, yeah. and, uh, not chuck, choke barrels, and you could really transform a 26-inch gun to a 26-inch deer gun or a 26-inch goose gun or yep. whatever whatever you wanted to make it. The barrel length in 1970 directly affected your pattern and performance. So you had to, you wanted to shoot 3-inch number one buckshot, you had to have a 30-inch full barrel. That was your only option to have a, a consistent pattern. Yeah, You wanted to goose hunt. And waterfowl hunt. Then it was lead. Now it's steel. You wanted a twenty-eight because, for a lack of description, it swings better. It's a touch and feel thing. Twenty-eight's the optimal hunting barrel length in my eyes. It swings better. Twenty-six, a little fast, but if you needed that open choke for your rabbit hunt, you had to buy what was available. The Franke forty-eight Black Magic, twenty-four inch, twenty gauge, twenty-six inch, twelve gauge. Yep. That was your, your rabbit hunter's dream gun. You bought them because they were light and the barrel length was barrel length and choke was correct. Now, things have kind of flipped, and all your sporting guns are really long. Michael shoots a 34-inch gun. I shoot a 32-inch gun, two-inch choke tubes. Gun hits me, you know, my highest rib. It's a tall gun. I can lean on it like it's a post. Yeah. And most of your hunting guns are getting smaller and smaller. 24-inch is, by most people's description now, the perfect deer gun. It's handy, in and out of the truck, in and out of the woods. If I kill a deer and I sling it across my back, I can drag it through the woods. It's not much taller than I am. But when big boys run across the field at 75 yards, you have very little game-to-barrel perception. It's hard to, hard to draw a lead with a short runway. Sight when plane, you, I guess, is what plane, you're, sight you're picture, talking yeah. about. Yeah. When you elongate your sight picture, the relative distance between the end of the barrel and the deer is not only 8 inches closer or 4 inches closer. It seems like it's 20 yards closer. Right. doesn't make the deer the shot any closer, but it makes your comfort go through the roof which mm. i think is the misconception a yes. lot of people have thought that a longer barrel is going to just shoot better for they do me, not hit harder. but they don't realize that it is helping you shoot Bingo. better as yep. a person just and, same with the goose description right. and that long you know joe it's, naylor's coming across field 80 yards i couldn't touch him this 24 inch benel is no good that's not the case it's mm. not performance based it's it's perception it's, it's based. perception mm-hmm. based Absolutely. it's, it's going to improve you as a shooter it can in a certain um, scenario. In a certain yep. scenario, right. and one and one of the things that's interesting with folks that come into the store um, is when you're explaining to them different guns and stuff. And like Andrew said, 28 inch. Think about the Remington 1100 that everybody's probably owned at some time, or the Browning A5. The receiver alone is pretty close to four inches. You mm-hmm. put that in an over and under, cut it in half. Cut it in half. Yeah. If yep. you take a 28 inch barrel and you put a four inch receiver on the end of it. That's 32 inches. 32-inch sight picture. Which is why 
when you say to somebody, man, I've hunted all my life and I want to shoot clays because I want to be like you and Andrew, and that's great. Um, <laughs> you better start now because we're pulling ahead. Yeah. We, can, we can tell them, here's a gun Here's a gun with 32 inches. And the first thing they say Have is – Have I shown you my Commonwealth Cup? <laughs> the, the, uh, let me spit in that. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, uh, they pick up that 32-inch gun and immediately they go, man, that feels nice. Now, they don't understand it because they look at it, and this looks nothing like the 1100 or 1187 was passed down to them. But that feel and perception that we're talking about, mm-hmm. that extra two inches out on the barrel is what was eaten up by that four-inch receiver. Yep. So right. when they feel it, that balance feels like, oh, man, this is nice. This is I right can on the money. see how this works. Yep. So you kind of work within those parameters when someone's looking for something. Now, if someone is just going to chase, you know, walk behind beagles and chase rabbits, the over and under 24-inch gun is probably ideal, 26-inch, yep. Jump shots, like that. 20 yards, no yeah. extreme angles. But we go right back to what Andrew said at the beginning. You kind of split the difference because you don't know what side of that scenario you're going to be on, the extreme or the inside of that extreme. So if you shoot a 20-inch gun – it's dynamic when it needs to be and smooth when it needs to be. And yeah. you go too far to the smoothness. And it's four inches too long right. at the wrong times. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Vice versa. Yeah. I mean, you know, people come in to buy guns all the time and they're like, well, why don't I get this and that? I said, well, yeah, you could protect your home with a 28 or 30 inch gun, but you wouldn't take an 18 inch gun into a duck blind. And right. you're going they not, all do the same thing, but some of yeah. them do it better. You're right? going you to you're blow your buddy's eardrums out right. with a short barrel, or you're going <laughs> to knock little Katie's senior picture <laughs> off the wall exactly. and swing down the hallway right. with that exactly. 800. <laughs> yep. But like it's just a free plug to Benelli. The guns we have coming, there it's going to be called the Virginian. It's a it's a it's an awesome gun. Everybody should buy at least two. Yep. It's a 26 inch camouflage. Comes with performance chokes and a nice sling. It's a 100 percent ready to shoot package. 26 inch being a ideal Virginia length. Right. You may rabbit hunt some. You may dove hunt some. You may shoot some clays. You may deer hunt some. I want to buy one gun to do it all. A gun like that will do it. That will do it. 26 inch semi-auto is ideal across the board. When you shift into sporting, if you're coming from a hunting background, Michael hit nail on head. Just add two inches to your sporting barrel because you're going to change. Something's going to change in a receiver, or you're going to want your sight picture to be elongated. You're a 28 inch hunter. 30 inch sporting barrel is probably long enough. Right. But you would really prefer this 32, which is only one inch longer than your 28 inch hunting gun. If you hold them side by side, people are like, oh, it's like a magic trick. When you show them right. a 28-inch yeah. Benelli beside a 32-inch Prozzi, they're like, I can't believe this one. It's only a half inch longer. Well, right. look at this giant three-and-a-half-inch receiver with a big giant bolt in it and this big long recoil system, and look at this flat 90-degree angle where the stock meets the bolt face right. on your Prozzi. I mean, it's it's crazy difference. Mm. And it's hard to explain until you see it, then it's just like a light bulb clicks. Yep. With all this extra space. That's not being wasted in the semi-auto because it's just adding to your sight picture. Until you get to another great talking point is a step rib versus a flat rib. So if you had a 30-inch Beretta A400 XL Sporting, 30-inch barrel, the one-inch choke tube doesn't help you because the bead stops at the end of the barrel. Right. So you're 31 overall, but 30-inch barrel. Now you're going to add a minimum of six inches to your sight picture because it's grooved into the receiver. So I have a 36-inch sight picture with a 30-inch gun. That's cost-effective. This is a great ideal scenario for a beginner or an advanced shooter. And if you shift to, like I shoot a Kregoff Pro Sporter, 32-inch barrel, short receiver, so I'm closer to the barrel, but I have a stepped rib or a ramped rib, where my rib is the first three inches is soaked up with the angle, and then it slopes down towards the front of the gun. So I'm only swinging a 29-inch sight picture even though I have a 32-inch barrel compared to the guy beside me with a 36-inch sight picture right. and a 30-inch barrel. It's all in how you see it and what makes you comfortable. Do you like shooting with your head up? Do you like getting maximum sight plane? Do I wish my sight picture was longer? Do I wish my gun was shorter? It's all in uh, comfort. It's right. comfort zone. A flat rib gun adds maximum sight picture. Step rib gun adds maximum depth perception and peripheral vision. Which one's more important to you? Right. And there's no right answer. Yeah, and we, you know, from the beginning of this with the the choke technology these days, I mean, it's it's incredible what sort of choke tube you can purchase and put yeah. in your shotgun. For forty dollars, twenty one inch turkey gun. Yep. And you can hunt anything you want yeah. to with it. You know, chokes are cheap. And nothing's cheap, but choke tubes are cheap if in 
relation to a fourteen hundred dollar gun, well, I'm gonna play with a couple of choke tubes yeah. and really optimize my performance. Yeah. Whether it be sporting clays or turkey hunting or deer hunting or yeah. waterfowl, I'll play with a couple boxes of shells with one choke. Or I really want to shoot this shell, I'll play with a couple chokes. And I'm going to make this 21-inch gun will hit – it will literally hit the target as hard as a 34-inch gun. It's all in how you can put the shot in the right spot. And when something comes into the store, and we get this a lot, what am I getting in this $2,200 Benelli or this $1,800 Beretta versus this $800 Franke or something like that? And I always tell people, you know, if you get into the action part – um, you know, Beretta made its name, and it's the oldest gun company in the world with that action till it went on to make gas-operated guns. So the reliability is there. They wouldn't be who they are today if they didn't have that. Beretta and Benelli on their higher-end guns, they're telling you that across the board, you can get consistent patterns no matter what shell you pull off the shelf because of the way the barrel is made in relation to the choke. You can get that same performance. And that's force and cone, chamber about. length, bore size. Absolutely. Optimized yeah. choke tubes, that's which, a, which if, is what adds to it, your price. Right. And if you yep. say, if you're the guy that says, I want to be efficient and I don't want to have to think about it, the $1,800, $2,200 gun is your gun. Does it all for you. Don't And don't look back. Yep. Right. If you're the guy that says, I need to be frugal because I, I, I do a few different types of hunting. i got to put money into my bow. i got to put money into my rifle. Yeah, I want to be cost I effective. I want to be cost effective. Yep. Then you get the gun that's two-thirds to half the price of that and you play with those $40 chokes and, it, and you it, will get it that gives you more tinkering yep. that yep. you can find in those guns they're right. just telling you across the board and they're testing at 30 yards different size shot you'll be able to take out yep. and do effectively with it and that's that's a great thing for people to hear when they're thinking man do i need this do i need that the answer is here at green top we have everything you sure. can think of for any price point that you want to have to accomplish the same goal yeah. you want a grab and go gun that has done the research for you spend a little extra money if you want to tinker and you want to you want to, you got a ten thousand dollar hunting budget and you want to put some here some there some there get the gun that's most cost effective for you and put a little of your available time into the tinkering and, into yep. the pattern and you'll see that and in, neither one's the right answer absolutely you'll see that in guys who race on the weekends they spend all week in the garage tinkering on the engine, the tires, the weight here, this, that, or whatever. That's the guy that should buy a shotgun that he can play with the shells, Correct. the size, he likes the choke to, tubes. Because he can reload tinker with and he that. likes to experiment. He can shoot, and that's yep. the guy. The guy who usually uh, it just likes to push a button and watch it happen. Yeah, give me the Porsche. Give me, yeah, you know, yeah. You know what I mean, give me that. That's sure. That's the difference. That's that's what he wants. And mm-hmm. everybody else is somewhere in that gray area between those two extremes. Yeah, and you explain it and. That's how it works. Yeah. Excellent observation. Hmm. You want to jump right to the choke tubes? Let's go right into the choke tubes. We'll We'll say, yeah, because we'll save the powder. (laughs) We'll save the powder. We'll we'll, we'll Uh, hit them with a home run. Yeah. Mm. Screw in chokes versus fixed chokes. Let's roll right into that. You want to go in modern times or do you want to roll back 50 years? Let's roll back. Let's start by rolling back 50 years. Go back 50 years. You rewind 10 because minutes. Let's go, go back further. Years. Well, no. Let's we go I was just saying when we ate with our hands. The year was 1840. Yeah. <laughs> and for the first 100 years of the shotgun, you got what you got. Yeah. You bought over the counter, uh, whether it be Sears Roebuck, Green Top, Winchester, Remington, Browning. You name it, American doubles, English doubles, you got what you got. You bought a certain barrel length, certain fixed choke, and it was up to you to decide, do I want an improved cylinder and improved modified? I'm, well, this is going to be my driven pheasant gun. Do I want to shoot nickel-plated fives out of – Yeah, and you didn't have anywhere near that, the ammo selection. Do I want to shoot fives out of this barrel, sevens out of that barrel? Do I want it reversed? Do I want to shoot my full barrel first? Because this is a live game gun, they're all driven shots. Do I want? Uh, do I want to buy a Valmet 412 that comes with interchangeable barrels? Right. Do I want to buy this um, LC Smith as a two barrel set? You know, speaking in 1920, do I want to buy this 1100 because I want to shoot skeet today and I want to deer hunt in six months and Green Top has these barrels in stock? And and maybe it maybe it was this maybe it was cost effective then to buy an extra barrel for your 
Yeah, eleven hundred or eight seventy. Well, what was eleven $1, hundred? Because nowadays a choke, a good choke, is what a hundred dollars. A performance choke's a hundred. Performance choke's a hundred. Um, but a, a if, cost-effective choke's forty. And if you, and and thirty years ago, if you owned an eight seventy Wingmaster and you had your thirty inch full, but you 70 wanted bucks, get your fresh. But you barrel. wanted a twenty inch yep. rifle sight smoothbore mm-hmm. to shoot slugs in. That might cost you eighty bucks. Yeah. You know, and you're so, back, and you got now you have two guns. Right. So cost receiver. cost effectiveness is the same. Yeah, you know, if not, maybe even better. If you put it all to scale and you you flip back and forth between times, I think the fixed barrel in today's terms. Well, go back to 1970. That's all you had. So you bought what you bought, and then as you accessorized your gun, that was about the only thing you can do. I bought a, and we hear it all the time. I want a deer barrel. I want a bird barrel. Right. I want a clay's barrel. And then I want a skeet barrel. I want a trap barrel. If you talk about you know as far as shells go and, and shotguns, all you really shot back then was lead. All you have was there was no non toxic non toxic when the plated when plated shot came out it just took everything by storm because now I'm in theory I'm hitting harder because I'm having less deformation in my shot but you're also zinging through more things but it changed the way my gun patterned this gun shoots copper plated fours awesome but it shoots unplated ones as good but not copper plated ones and not unplated fours. So it's all in tinkering and experimenting. But then right. you had fewer options. Shells were cheaper. You can buy two boxes, go out and shoot a beer box, and this one shoots great, this one doesn't. Okay, no good. Yeah. I'm keeping my barrel, ditching these shells. And in today's terms, a fix, you see very few fixed choke guns. Most of those custom order, most of them very expensive. Yeah. A fixed choke gun in a sporting world rules out all hesitation. And that's normally the guy who shoots Winchester, light handicaps, 1291 ounce. This is my shell. I got two pallets in my house. This is my gun. I sent it to a guy in Ohio who customized my barrel. Everything's perfect. 22,000 on the bottom, 29,000 on the top. It cannot get any better. I can rule everything else out. As long as I wake up, show up, and perform, I'm good. For the more cost-effective person, with any price gun, more cost-effective person, I'm going to buy this Craigoff. I'm going to buy this Beretta. I'm going to buy this Browning. And they all got screw-ins. Yeah. I don't like factory chokes. I buy $200, I get a whole other set of screw-ins. Mm-hmm. I like these because they're shiny. I like these because they're light. I like these because they're heavy. I got these custom-made. But the choke tubes, now you're playing with $70, where a set of Parazzi barrels might be $3,500. Right. Another two grand to get them worked. So well, that's all performance and dedication-based. Sure. And, you know, a lot of people, I've heard the argument, well, the old, the newer screw and choke barrels, well, they weren't quite machine right. I got a wad stuck in it, and it blew my barrel up. Well, or, most yeah, of it's operator uh, error. Yeah, most, you, most, most usually that is that happens. Yeah, happens. usually that is operator error. And like you know, Andrew said, going through the times, if you think about it, an ammo company, a choke two company, and a firearms manufacturer, besides the goal of selling you their product. They want you to do well, so they improve the. Powder. And they're all in sync. They improve mm-hmm. the choke pattern. They improve the barrel and the forcing cone. And when you combine all that together, you have the ultimate surgical instrument for what you're doing. Whether it's a trap shooter, a dedicated goose shooter, or a deer hunter. But once you start getting into fixed chokes, you really are in a very small group. A very niche. And that group is that gun's always going to balance the same no matter what. If you take a heavy-duty choke tube for a uh, waterfowl, steel, it's going to be a little heavier than a lighter choke tube that you may screw in to go shoot pheasants on a preserve somewhere, mm-hmm. or you're, and, and that's going to change it. It's not enough to throw you off unless it's enough to throw you off, unless 90, you know right. enough. 95-plus right. percent of the people who walk into Green Top to do something like that are not going to under not feel that perception. They're not going to pick up a pattern master but, and say, man, this thing's heavy. But someone, right. who, someone who shoots clays – First, second, and third, and then gets invited on a hunt, will tell you when a gun's in his hand that it feels different. Because it's all about balance and everything being consistent and fluid. The guy who hunts all the time and gets invited to shoot clays, just bring your hunting gun. All you need to do. And to ask the guy, what choke should I put in it? And the guy who shoots clays religiously is going to tell you what choke for this course to use and don't think yeah don't even don't even don't change just out, keep going if you go out with your boys just shoot whatever chokes in it exactly you'll yeah. be fine and, yep. and it'll no insult to anybody but the 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 deep 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 five percenter is going to know the difference between this guy shooting a buck kicker at a 10 yard target and him shooting an improved cylinder the guy with the buck kicker and his gun he don't care he don't know the difference right right more power to him yeah he should shoot 
for this, the rest of his life with no fear, it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. That's the right approach. Yep. The other guy has done has shot at a quarter million targets and got 50 grand invested in everything being perfect. If you're not that type mm-hmm. of person, just buy a gun with screw ins, and everything mm-hmm. now comes with screw ins. Uh, fixed chokes yeah. are custom order. I now. mean, it's it, that's they're a thing of the past. And and it, is one better than the other? I would say no. It's not. I think. I mean, go ahead. For the most part, no. I think a fixed choke gun is optimized to that bore diameter and choke diameter. I think yes. they will perform better with one unique sp- uh, situation. Right. Well, but across the board, and it, for any sort of cost-effective reason, the screw in choke blows yeah, it out of the water. At, Not even close. Sure. Absolutely, and if you look at it like this, we talk about guns all the time being a tool, right? Right. A hunting gun, whether it be a rifle or a shotgun, is a frame and hammer. You can make mistakes with it, you can get the job done, and you can do delicate work, and you can just drive it home. A target gun is a trim carpenter's hammer where you have to get it right because if you screw it up, you got to start over. You can cover up bad work with a framing hammer you can pull that nail out and redo it yeah you're tapping with the i mean that's that's really the difference you know or one you is get more, another shot at the duck yes just, you're hunting by yourself you miss on your first shot oh, i'll just shoot again right you know and, and, and targets two birds two shells and it's not practical to break open a shotgun in a duck blind but if you're a guy who stands in flooded timber or your guy who stands outside the blind or on the edge of a swamp then the Browning over and unders are great for that yeah. you know that are extremely wrapped in reliable that. and if you're a clay shooter and that's your niche that's your hey this makes sense to me. Breaking it open, it's a door hinge with two firing pens. Pretty simple, pretty easy. If I fall, I can clean it pretty quick and get back in the game. Yep. As opposed to an over an, an auto guy who rabbit hunts, deer hunts, all that, he's going to be better off shooting clays with that. With the gun he's already comfortable with. Yeah. Comfortable yep. with. Yep. yep. And comfort is, and everything we've talked about so far, the seven halves versus eights, the barrel length, the slugs versus buckshot, the, the screw-in chokes, fixed chokes, if you're comfortable with it and it works for you, rock on. Rock on. Mm-hmm. Rock on. All right, we you got want time. To nail it home? We got time for one more. Let's nail it home. This and is I, a great one. Is this the pellets versus this, this powder? Is a, this is a layup. Pyrodex pellets versus loose powder. And this is what we're talking. We're talking well, shift gear muzzle loading muzzle season. Um, to me, this is a no brainer because I've well, I've experienced both. I've and I can tell you from my experience, loose powder is the way to go. Mm-hmm. It is um it's not as simple and as easy as Pyrodex pellets or, or white hots or triple pellets, sevens yeah. or whatever, um, but it's 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 more accurate, more consistent, um, cleaner too. I would say sure. that uh, significantly less smoke, significantly yes. less uh, residue in your barrel. Yeah. I, it's the same experience. If you are a muzzleloader hunter, you are shooting yourself in the foot by not shooting loose powder. Yeah. If you are uh, with the Exclusion of last year and moving on, the Caroline County resident. We didn't have a rifle season until last year. And I muzzleload hunt for nine weeks. You need to have a solid gun, solid scope, solid rings. You need to go out and shoot your gun. You need to tinker with it because this is your new rifle. Mm-hmm. This is your gun. This is now a 200-yard instrument if or maybe 300 yards, depending on what you're shooting and which gun you have. When you start getting into loose powder and weighing and reloading guys will spin into a vortex with this conversation, but... When you're weighing out between the difference between how your gun shoots with 80 and 82 grains, you look at it in the vial, it looks exactly the same. It does. <laughs> and you shake it, and you look at another one, and you say, well, they're both, I weighed them both at 82, but this one's got, you know, this one's reading 85, this one's reading 81. Doesn't matter. Go trust your scale. When you shoot it and you see your group size just shrink and shrink and shrink, it's insane. Yeah. When you are a non-muzzleloader hunter who hunts in muzzleloader season you buy a cost-effective gun maybe a ready-to-hunt package uh i'm just doing this because that's what my boys do uh we go out in the mountains for three days and he always kills the big deer during muzzleloader season i want in on the action that's a great time to kill a deer too sure so you don't want to trust deer of a lifetime to a over-the-counter gun you may want to tinker some you probably owe it to yourself to yeah. give the gun the respect it's due. you're putting in the time putting in the work but you if know, you're spend uh, the money after work three days in two weeks, you know, shove two pellets in there and you'll be fine. Yeah, and then, but when I look at it too, do you want it, do you want to shoot a group inside of a grapefruit or do you want to shoot a you want group to shoot a inside ball. of a golf ball? Yeah, 
And, you can and touch I think two that's bullets where, together with a primitive yeah, muzzleloader. That's with right. Loose powder. And with loose powder, you can do that. Mm-hmm. With pellets, I think it's it's possible. Yes, it's tricky. It's up to the gun. It's at that very point. tricky because you just get too many inconsistencies mm-hmm. that are going to prevent you from doing that. And I've never known anybody to put a triple seven block on a scale and see if it's fifty grains. Yeah. I've never done it. Yeah, I just shove two, take a little pipe cleaner, shove two of them in the barrel, and I had a gun that shot triple seven pellets. Great, shot one bullet, one powder. Never change the scope. 100 yards and in, dead as a doornail. But I didn't trust that gun past 115 yards. Right. I didn't I, – I owe it to the deer to not shoot at them. When it comes to the tinkering and the, the muzzleloaders have just taken an extreme leap in the last 10 years, five years, how how accurate they are. They are now rifles. They're far from primitive. Oh, yeah. And when you start weighing or going by volume on your powder, which in my eyes you should weigh your powder, if you're going to take it to that step, go all the way. And when you start measuring your powder that uh, shoots good at 77, shoots good at 80, shoots real good at 84, shoots like crap at 86. 86 is too hot. Start scaling it down. Now we're 82, 83. That's where I want to be. My last gun, I shot 82 and a half because that's where the scale just naturally kept falling. Shot 82 and a half, put them all inside of a golf ball. Three bullets touching. This is incredible. A $500 gun that requires no paperwork to shoot 200 yards comfortably. With a little bit of powder and a little bit of time. And when you start weighing your stuff, you have it all written down. You weigh 10, shoot 5, you have 5 left over. takes no time once you're comfortable. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you argue, too, though, that you should probably know what your gun does do you should with, shoot both. with it? Because, you know, we're very – people are visual, and they also are hands-on, and they want to know. And given the climate today of finding powder sure. and finding things – absolutely. You may get to next year and something has happened, like it's happened this year, and mm-hmm. you can't find that loose yep. powder. You should know what that Pyrodex does in your gun at that distance and understand that. Circles right back to messing with chokes, messing with sure. shot size. Trusting your equipment. And saying, hey, I can't find my favorite loose powder at Green Top, but Green Top always has Pyrodex, and I know what my gun does, and I mm-hmm. buy this bullet. Ideal scenario, I get my loose powder. But Correct. just because of not having everything that we wish we could have all the time due to supply chains sure. around globally. Or you didn't it's start probably shopping. probably a good idea to do it. Yeah. You it didn't also, start it also, shopping until October 23rd. Right. And it's, <laughs> right. All and we it, got is white hops. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're like, man, now I'm screwed. Correct. That 82 grains is my honey load, but I yeah. know that this will get the job done. It may sure. not be the golf ball, but it'll be the baseball. And right. I'm only shooting at 80 yards I'll on be this fine. five acres Correct. that I get to hunt. Absolutely. A lot of that comes down to your muzzleloading dedication. And, and uh, Hunter and I both have taken muzzleloaders to the extreme i want i want the baddest stuff i can get because this is going to be my time to kill the deer after you know in two more weeks when the uh somebody's beagle bumps him along i don't know if he's coming back that's I right i need to catch him now that's i'm seeing right. him on camera every other day every third day i get him all the time the deer is right here it's prime wind time. is right tomorrow yep. and i trust my 84 grains in this gun yeah when you sink them triple sevens in there well, i don't know they look like you're 100 grains i don't know <laughs> maybe maybe not it maybe might be the same thing when you shove thing. them down the bore you flake the piece off maybe now you're at 97 yeah do you trust that load or do you unload yeah, it does, and reload it I mean do your pellets get crushed at the bottom and you're not supposed to touch them you're not supposed to touch them I mean I don't know it's how it's tight tricky. are you loading a gun yeah. because when that when that bullet goes in after that powder you have no more perception on what it is yeah. I imagine me pouring the powder in and it always goes in at a slant and yeah. that scares me to death. I said, no, nah, I'm not going to get a clean burn. I'm not going to get a good boom. But I shake it going a little bit. And Ricky Horn said, whatever you do, just do it at the same time. Do it all the same. If you tap it on the ground and poke your nose, do that every time. Every time. If you, <laughs> you know, if you, and I've always carried on the same subject. Uh, when I do my powder and I do my bullet, I keep two primers for every charge. Because normally I'm panicking. I just shot something. And I'm shaking so bad I'll fling in primers right out of the tree. I'm <laughs> two for two to one primers to load. Yeah. But I'm trusting my equipment and I'm putting that powder in there nice and neat. I remember I weighed this powder. It's 82 and a half grains. That's right. And I know I got a picture on my phone of how tight it shoots. I showed the guys at work. This is this is it for me. Most of the time a triple seven, two or three pellets. A lot of guys will say two 100 grains, 100 yards, 150 grains, 150 yards. Three pellets to get you that extra distance. But now, go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, are you giving it more speed than the payload requires? Right. Are you trusting it, or are you just shoving another one in there and say, yeah, it'll be fine? 
more speed, less con- less consistency Correct. is you usually hit him, what you're going to get. Yeah. But are you going to hit him in the neck? Are you going to hit him in his ankle? Right. Or are you going to miss? Are you going to have a blood trail or no blood Correct. trail? Correct. You know, I like shooting and watching. I don't like shooting and looking. That's right. <laughs> yeah. it's, shooting that's and looking never is any not fun. a whole lot of fun. No. I don't trust it at all. Well, that was a good way to end it. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this today, guys. We got Thank we you. missed a we missed a ton. There's a lot of we other ones. Of we left a lot of them the on there, which we'll just hey, we'll just have to get it on the next one. Why wouldn't you? Let's I do mean, it. you have yeah. to. Um, congratulations to both y'all. Yes, sir. Good Thank shooting you. this weekend. We had a good time. Travis Barrett shot. A Travis shot well, well also. too. Shot yep. really well. Yeah. Yep. Very solid both days. And we had to twist his arm last weekend to go on the shoot. And he's ah, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I said, we'll just go. Then he goes. I'm like. I guess he should shoot with us. Yeah. And then he just, he donkeyed me around all week. I rode in his car and I hung out with Travis, ate lunch with him both days. I'm really glad he went. And I think he really enjoyed himself. No, it was, it was, it was good to see great. him. Yeah. It was good to see him there because Travis is good people from the naval out in every direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I always enjoy shooting with Travis. All right. Well, good. Hey, thanks for being here, guys. Thank uh, you, and thanks for listening to another episode. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get another one together here soon enough sure. and uh, hit some of these other uh, topics that we'll we pick uh, it up uh, at missed. monofilament. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> mono versus braids. And if anybody, please call or write in on how to spell no, mono. Yeah. <laughs> and go ahead and spell braid for us, too. We're not really sure on that one. I'm sure there's a number of ways you can spell that. <laughs> yeah. thanks, All right. Mark. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. Man. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.